0: will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Blandon, and today I want to go over one of the most common challenges that I see clients face when they need to make a decision on what to do next, right? Whether or not to upgrade their house, whether or not to maybe pay down the mortgage first and then invest in properties or potentially going to a new suburb. You know, we are faced with these life situations very often. And how should you think about it? And in this video or podcast i want to share with you the key concept that we take our clients through and how we think through these situations so that the client can make a more informed decision and the important thing that we need to understand is called opportunity cost this is how you can make better property decisions now what is opportunity cost simply put if you take option a what are you potentially missing out on right if you have the marshmallow now could you have more marshmallows later right they did this study on kids where they are saying, hey, look, if you wait for two minutes, they don't know, there's no clock, they don't know how long that is. And if you can wait through for, for that long, you can get another two or three marshmallows, right? And obviously a lot of kids will take the marshmallow and eat it. Some kids could last maybe halfway and then they just don't realize what the time looks like. And then they lose out on the opportunity of having three marshmallows. So that is the life decision that we have to make as adults. How do we actually think through these opportunities? The good thing about properties is and the decisions we need to make, we can kind of foresee what the timeline looks like, right? We have a better grasp on what this spacing required is for like the two minutes in the marshmallow scenario. So often we are faced with these opportunity costs and guess what? They could be measured. You could actually put it down on paper and compare the two opportunities that you might be facing or even three or four. You can list them all out and put numbers next to these opportunities. And there are four elements that we are going to go through. The the first one is the cash flow position, the second one is capital gains, the third capital improvement, and the fourth lifestyle considerations. Now, I want to give you examples of how you can actually measure each of these in the scenario that you are going through. I'm going to measure it up to two scenarios. Number one is like perhaps you're looking to upgrade your house, right, versus maybe investing in another property paid under debt for a bit longer, right? Versus if you were to do nothing or invest in a property that's really, really simple. Okay. So let's look at the first opportunity cost measurement, which is cash flow. Now, simply put, is looking at how much is going to go out of your bank account, how much is going to come in. Now, let's say if you're buying a property, upgrading your house, what you're going to end up doing is get a bigger mortgage. Okay. So obviously your expense is going to be higher, especially in this interest rate environment. You're going to increase your repayments, outgoings every single week. Okay. And if you compare it over investment property, let's say you follow our podcast, you under Understand how you could buy cash flow positive or neutral properties. You could buy investment property that will cost you no extra money per week. So that means you've got a bigger house, nicer house. It's going to cost you more. Cash flow wise is going to be negative. But this other opportunity is that it doesn't cost you anything extra, but you can have another property that's going to have, which is the second thing that we're going to look at is the capital gains. But if we look at another scenario, which is like if you don't have an investment property right now and you buy investment property. If you don't have an investment property, your cash flow is exactly the same, zero, right? We call that zero because we don't change our position. But if we buy an investment property, it could be zero. It could be negative 500, 1,000, depending on what type of properties you buy. But obviously, you can see really quickly, you can measure the cash flow quite easily. Second thing that we're going to look at, what we try to explore with our clients is the capital gains, right? Historical figure is going to show capital gains sits around that 7% mark, 6.5%. But that doesn't apply to all properties. What you're going to find is that some properties going to have slightly higher than the average and slightly lower than the average or some. okay? And usually, right, not always, usually capital gains is associated with how much land you're owning. The more land you own on that property, the higher probability of getting more capital gains, okay? So say, for example, if you buy a unit, it's on a cross-lease title or a unit title, then the capital gains might not be as good as a property that is freehold. Okay. Now you also got to look at location and what's going to affect the capital gains on a location are your population growth, your economic growth, like, you know, what kind of jobs are there, and the desirability of that city as a whole. And usually that is associated with how much the government is making it better, right? If they build more roads, hospital schools, malls that are nicer, parks, those kind of things are going to attract more people to move there, therefore potentially more jobs and maybe just our overall better demand. So the location is going to be a huge one for capital gains. But let's say you're in this scenario, you're trying to measure whether or not to go for option A or option B. Should we upgrade the house or buy investment property? You're going to see that, well, if you upgrade a house, you are going to increase the overall capital gains. Let's just use a 5% capital figure, right? So we buy a $1.5 million own occupied, we're going to get 5%. So that is going to be $75,000 a year. Now, if we kept our $1 million home and then buy a $500,000 investment property, we're going to keep the capital gains exactly the same 5%, $75,000 a year. So in that scenario, you can see maybe capital gains is relatively the same. But let's say if you're buying a own occupied that is, on a cross lease or potentially unit title or you know you're sharing a driveway potentially capital gains might be slightly lower compared to you know you have a freehold home and income plus another investment property right that is going to be on the freehold title so maybe there's a 0.5 percent differentiation around the capital gains now One thing that I haven't factored in in this calculation is that the chance of you buying an investment property with that rental income coming in, you're going to be able to borrow a bit more. The chance of you borrowing more is higher because you've got the rental income. Whereas own occupied, you upgrade your house, your income is still the same as your salary, right? So then that means the overall value of that portfolio, you know, you've got the investment property plus your own occupied, it's usually slightly higher than if you just upgraded your home, okay? So that means your capital gains in the end might be slightly higher in the second option. And then obviously if you're in a position where you're not buying property versus if you bought an investment property, one is zero capital gains because you didn't buy anything. If you bought an investment property, then you potentially get five, 6% on top of what you buy. If it's a $700,000 property, 5%, $35,000 a year. So now you can measure the second number in your opportunity costs. Okay. So we've talked about cash flow, right? Look at your outgoings and incoming. Secondly, capital gains, hypothetical figures based on historical data. Now, very important. It's not a predictor, but it gives us somewhat an understanding of what potentially could happen. Okay. And the third one is what we call capital improvement. Okay. So what is this? We talk about this all the time in our channel. What could you do to your property to actually add value? When I say add value is, you know, if you can renovate it for $50,000 and you can get $100,000 back in value, that's adding value. If you could subdivide it for $200,000 and you can sell the land for $500,000 and then only lose $100,000 on the original house, that's adding value. If you could maybe turn a property that is three bedroom to four bedroom or a decent cost and you're increasing the overall value, that's adding value. So potential for you to put some money into the property to increase the value. So usually this is associated with old houses or if you buy a property with a bit more land, you can subdivide it, you can develop, you can put a minor dwelling on it, you can extend the house. Those kind of things are going to increase the value. Okay, And we know if you are in Auckland, you're going to be able to turn most. Houses on freehold title into more houses. This is what we call the unitary plan. If you're in a good zoning and it's a decent area, right, you've got the capacity to develop that property. That's really good capital improvement value. So those are the things that you need to think about as an opportunity or when you're measuring the cost of the opportunity. Those are the things you need to look at, right? So if you buy a cross-lease property or a new build that is, you know, maybe all the land is used up, then your capital improvement value might be minimal. Whereas if you bought a freehold property and it's investment property, then you could potentially get rid of the original house and put more houses on it. That's good at capital improvement value. Now, again, that you can put down a figure because you can calculate, okay, if I build for 400,000, the end value is worth 700,000. I lose 100,000 on the original house. Then the difference is 200,000. So now you can again, in your opportunity cost chart, comparing the two opportunities, you can attach zero, 200,000. Right, That's a really easy way to figure out whether or not one opportunity is better than the other. Okay, And again, if you buy no property versus one investment property, you can figure out whether or not you're going to have that capital improvement value. Now, the fourth one is actually probably the most important out of all of the measurement that we talked about lifestyle consideration okay why do we all work hard it's to give the family or ourselves the lifestyle choice that we want right we want the options we want better living conditions we want more choice when we go out we want more choice when we take our kids to school you know so these things are really important right and for me as a male Right? They say happy wife, happy life. If you're a female, then I don't know if they say this happy husband, happy life, but it's something that you guys have to plan together. That's really important. And what is it that you guys want as a family or as an individual? List it out. And you got to understand sometimes, you know, the upgrades are going to require some sacrifice in terms of you might not see it right now, but you'll probably see it in the future. And those things can be projected out. Like, let's say we borrow more debt now and your focus for the next few years is just to pay down this mortgage, you might lose out some of these investment opportunity or the gains that you can get from the investment and potentially being able to have more cash flow to pay down the mortgage or having more cash flow to have those holidays that you want temporarily. There are going to be some sacrifices. If you don't see it now, you might see it in the future. And this is true for my family. And I'm going to share that story with you in just a sec as well. Now, there is also the other extreme. I have seen clients come to us. They have done really well with properties. They bought a few properties several years ago and they've got one, two, three million dollars in equity available. Okay, And they're thinking about, okay, how do I get more, right? Often these portfolios might not have much cash flow at all. So even though they have the equity, the own occupied is paid off, right? They don't have much cash flow that they can actually lean on or spend and then just have that money replenish. They're in the position where they've got the money on paper, but they can't really enjoy the lifestyle that their family deserve right now. And they still want to keep building it, Right. Because they can see the benefit of increasing their portfolio. They're gonna see a bigger number on paper. And so there is that other extreme, and just not even think about the lifestyle, even though you've got the options. And sometimes as simple as, you know what, potentially swapping some of those properties that are not performing as well, doesn't have much cash flow, just sell them <laughs> and get a better cash flow property. That's what you could potentially do, okay? And that is another way to look at your situation. So you got to consider that, right? Maybe it's not better to just buy another investment. Maybe you should think about buying another property, maybe increasing your own occupied value so that you can have a better property. But you could also replace some of the properties that you have with higher cash flow so that it will pay for that new additional mortgage that you take on your own occupied. So that's another way to do it. And I was telling you, I'm going to share my family's journey, right? We came to New Zealand in 97. At the time. I remember my mom and dad still explained the story to me, right? They came with very little. They saw that when Hong Kong's sovereignty was going back to China, there were looking like less opportunity for schooling and work. And so they decided to go to another country and New Zealand was the choice that we made. And when we bought our first home, I remember they explained to me they put down a 5% deposit it was a $220,000 house in Beach Haven this was in 97, 98 and that 5% deposit we didn't have all of it right mum and dad had half of it and the other half they had to borrow from auntie so we bought the house and one or two years later my dad saw that he wasn't earning enough and he wanted to earn more so he decided to get into the fish and chip business and he was a chef to start with he was working in the kitchen but mum was staying home to look after me and my sister and so he needed to increase that income so we went into self-employment and since the age of 11 intermediate ish is that's when i started working in the fish and chip shop behind the counter till i was like in college and so in those years that was when i saw my family increase their financial position quite quickly i mean I couldn't tell exactly how much they had, but I know we were upgrading houses every like two, three years. So I saw my living condition continue to change throughout until 18-ish. I saw that we're already living in a million-dollar home in East Auckland, right? Obviously, there's capital gains involved, but at the same time, I saw that my family worked hard and they had the opportunity to keep increasing their lifestyle. So that's what I saw. But not until when I was in a position to buy my own house after uni, I saw that my family didn't have... much retirement savings. And what I mean by that is that they have a house. It's got equity. They could sell it, pay off the mortgage. There was still mortgage that they were paying off on that last house when I was in uni. They were in their 50s, but they didn't have much retirement savings. There wasn't much of a, hey, what's my way of getting a secondary income? And so that was really important to me to figure out, okay, I don't want to be in this position and I want to help my family as well. That's where I got into investing and that really changed everything. And so that is a reflection for me, right? Because they were so focused on giving us the lifestyle that we deserve, right? We never lacked anything that we need. We always had education. We always have good living environment, but it was at the detriment of, you know, in their fifties, they still had to pay off their first mortgage, which is tough. Like I would love to see them retire, go on those Thailand trips that mom and dad enjoy. You know, they go get cheap food in Malaysia. That's what they enjoy. They deserve that. And so they didn't have those options as easily accessible if, you know, compared to having some more. Retirement savings. And knowing what I know now, I could have helped them, right? 10 years ago, they could have kept one or two investment properties till now. They would have been mortgage free and they probably have some left over and they would have a much better retirement early on. And so I encourage you to think about this, right? If you're deciding to upgrade the house or potentially invest or not invest, look at opportunity costs. Measure what your decision is now versus the potential decision that you could make. Look at the numbers. And And see how that differentiate from each other and then also, you know, consider the lifestyle considerations. I also wanted to just add there's one major challenge for a lot of people when it comes to making these decisions. And this is usually when they get stuck, they're like, "Mm, I'm not sure still, should I do this one or should I do this one? And usually it's because this is what I find anyway, talking to hundreds of people is that they're measuring two opportunities that are too similar, right? The benefit just don't outweigh the effort. The benefit don't outweigh the effort. What do I mean by that? They might be thinking about like a small upgrade, better, slightly better lifestyle, but the effort to change, you know, like the schools for the kids and have to move to a new location. Maybe it's a longer drive to work. The benefit just don't outweigh the effort. So then they are in this position of limbo, not being able to take action on anything. So this is really important is to understand when you are making a change, it has to be very motivating. There's enough upside for you to will be like, yeah, I want to do this. And that's always going to make the decision significantly easier, whether it's upgrading a house, whether it's buying investment property. And the only way you are going to fix this. Okay, is to consider bigger opportunities. And that is as simple as it gets. If you can change your position to a much better opportunity, then the decision should be really easy. And the easiest way to find bigger opportunities or see bigger opportunities is to learn. Okay, And in properties, the more you know about properties, the easier it is for you to identify opportunities. I'll give you an example. One of the most common thing a lot of people come to us before they start investing is like, oh, you know, we heard about these cash flow properties, but we can't find them. We're never able to just see them on Tramey. The thing is, if you think about the reticular cortex is essentially if you want a red car, you start seeing all the red cars on the road. But if you want this cash flow property and you don't really know what it looks like and haven't studied what the elements are it's very hard to see them even if you scroll past it and that's often what i find right like these clients come to us like oh i've been looking on trading all the time i can't find it but they go on our master class they read our uh free property formula book or join our workshop once they see more then they get these opportunities. Just thinking about Arthur, someone who's recently joined us in our workshop, he was a little bit timid around expanding his portfolio. It was scary for him to make offers but by the end of the workshop he essentially decided he'll buy this multi- block of units in Tauranga, getting 8.6%. So really proud of him. It's like a do-up project. He can add a ton of value. It was significantly undervalued because he bought like the worst house on the best street, central Tauranga. So seeing more opportunities is going to allow you to make those decisions significantly easier. Whether it is education with us or like, hey, I just encourage you, read more books, go go to more seminars, that's going to open up your perspectives and horizon on how you see opportunities. So there you have it, folks. One of the biggest challenge that most people face, opportunity costs. How to measure it. Gave you some examples. Hopefully you can take that away and maybe just you know scribble a few things on paper. And remember, you don't have to do it alone. If you want someone to bounce ideas off, our advisors can help you with that. Until next time, and remember, if you found value in today's episode, all I ask for is one thing, that is to share the episode with somebody. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again.